to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. The vast majority of this episode is going to be jab-related. So, if you're not interested in hearing some of the more updated information regarding that, I fully understand. Um, Unfortunately, that's just how it kind of has to be here. Because, again, more and more information is coming out, and fortunately, more and more studies are being done regarding both individual cases and larger cases, whether it be, again, in the military or in particular lines of work, uh, the jab injuries are increasing and the deaths are increasing as well. Uh, With that said, there's a couple of stories here related to teachers who have passed away as a result of the jabs. And again, the hiding that's going on regarding the cause of death is rather predictable, as we can imagine. We are watching a full-blown assault from the media on the people regarding the truth of what's going on. They, for the life of them, will not budge on jab injury regarding these shots. These shots are a biological weapon. There's no other way of putting it. They're a biological weapon, and sheriff's departments have got to start investigating all of this, which has been well known to many of us for a very long time. But they're just rolling on as if, well, it's people's decision if they want to take it, and it's people's decision if they want to take it, and, you know, whatever else. This is more serious than that. People can sign on the dotted line all they want, but if sheriff's departments are not investigating what's inside of these jabs, which again, we know what's inside of them. So for someone to say that we don't know what's inside of them, that's not true. The ingredients of these shots have been investigated. We know what's in them and it's poisonous and it's purposeful and it's killing people. And people, of course, are being paid and you know it's, it's repetitive at this point for us. But many of them, again, are so blind. And that sort of leads me into this first part that I wanted to mention. On my Substack, The American Classroom, I've released part four of lifting the COVID K-12 veil. And within the first few paragraphs of this article, before I get into the emails that, again, were acquired through open records requests, it's, it's pretty evident to me, again, as I lay out that this is, in fact, the perfect crime. If you think about it, what, what is going on is so difficult for so many law enforcers, quote unquote, to actually consider because they themselves have taken these shots in many cases, sometimes two full rounds, sometimes boosted, sometimes again, flu shot, they've gotten sick, they're not connecting the dots. And when you have people that are supposed to be doing investiga- investigations of actual crimes, and then, of course, trying these, these criminals and shutting these kinds of things down. If they themselves have taken the poison and believed the lie, which theoretically is two separate poisons, there's the poison of the lie and then the actual physical poison itself. If those people have taken it and someone approaches them with information and says, hey, look, here are all these documents that prove what I'm telling you to be true. Now you have a job to do, and that involves 
confiscating this evidence, just like you would confiscate a weapon of any kind, a bazooka, a gun, whatever, and then you would investigate it to see who it belonged to, and then you would have to ultimately warn that particular hospital about what they're actually doing because of the death numbers that are, that are rolling out here. Again, regardless of the profession, the death numbers are high. Military educators pick one. Doesn't matter. There are planes falling out of the sky and exploding. You have, you know, regular airline pilots, um, recreational airline pilots dying behind the, uh, you know, the wheel of the plane, so to speak. And the planes are just crashing to the ground. This footage is everywhere and it's overwhelming. I saw. Um, this is related but unrelated. I saw another video, very awful, as one would expect. A Italian teacher set himself on fire because he couldn't get a job unless he was vaccinated. And he sets himself on fire, douses himself with gasoline and lights it. And he's walking around and, and he's on fire. And there's people trying to put him out and they can't put him out. I mean, they're hosing him with, uh, Two, three fire extinguishers, and it's not working. It's a horrific video. But the frame of mind of, of, again, all individuals involved, in particular, again, those that are responsible for investigating crimes, this is, go- this is why it's a perfect crime, because they don't think it's a crime. This is the largest crime that's ever existed, outside of, of course, something like 9-11. But this is a massive crime. It's tricked so many people into believing that what they're hearing and what they're seeing on their television is one way, when in fact, it's, it's completely the opposite. And like I said, too, um, you know, within that article, I lay out multiple emails. In part four, I lay out multiple emails where the superintendent of this school district, again, is, is just giddy with trying to get teachers and anybody else in the surrounding area jabbed and boosted. It, do, it does not matter. And, and again, the word manipulation exists throughout, not to mention the contradictory emails that exist where they openly say people who are jabbed are still getting sick. People who are jabbed are still p- spreading quote unquote COVID, which again is not what COVID stands for. It does not stand for coronavirus disease. It's Certificate of Vaccination Identification. That's what COVID stands for. But again, they're openly admitting that it doesn't work and then pushing it on people and telling their own teachers within their own district that you are considered high risk, that the CDC can't determine what level of employment would be deemed a high-risk job, so to speak. But he immediately makes the determination that you ha- that being a school teacher must be high risk so you'd better get your shots and make sure you get boosted because you're quote unquote not fully vaccinated now at least based on what the CDC says so they've changed the goalposts and school administrators and it's not just here it's all throughout the United States school administrators are clearly shifting the goalposts and and using open word manipulation and he even admits it in another email toward the end of the article. But I'm all over the place on that. The point is, is I highly recommend reading it and giving it a look. There's three stories here I want to get into regarding recent teacher deaths as well. 
because again, they're dropping like flies. Um, here's one from just last week, just a few days ago. Um, Ann Dale teacher and coach Ted Anderson dies. Now, here's what's interesting about this, as I sort of said at the beginning regarding the media manipulation. They're not telling people even how they died. I mean, they're not even saying it's a COVID complication in some of these cases because they don't want to even allude that that might be the case, but they're not telling anybody how, in fact, they actually died. So this says uh, the following, Kansas. The Renwick School District is mourning the loss of a teacher and coach. On Friday, the district posted a statement on Facebook announcing the death of Ted Anderson. Utterly in shock, he will be deeply missed. Um, lift his family and students and community up in prayer. He was the head girls basketball coach, taught middle school, previously taught at a uh, at another school and was an assistant football coach and head girls basketball coach there as well. And then that's it. The story just ends. No COVID relation, no, you know, no nothing. It's possible it wasn't, you know, COVID related or jab related. It's highly unlikely. Uh, here's another one. Beloved Fort Osage or Osage drama teacher dies of COVID-19 in breakthrough case. Now, this was from a few weeks ago, but again, here's exactly what I'm talking about. More word manipulation, calling it a breakthrough case. There are no such things. These do not exist. Never in the history of illness has, has we, you know, have we ever heard that phrase breakthrough case. It's not used in reference with a cold. It's not used in reference with a flu. It's not used in reference to anything. Independence, Missouri, this comes from. A beloved drama teacher from Fort Osage or Osage. I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong. Don't really care. High school died from COVID-19 Wednesday. Janine Hunter was her name. So, again, give this a listen here um, regarding these quote-unquote underlying cases because again this is another thing that they're throwing out there and i'm going to play some audio a little bit later proving this proving this point but they're using quote-unquote underlying health issues as the excuse as to why they died and then they're clumping covid in with that without ever saying again that they've been jabbed and sometimes they do say they've been jabbed but they're not making the connection between the jab and these underlying conditions, which could be caused by the jab. So listen to these and then ask yourself whether or not they could have been caused by the jab. My spidey senses tingle on this. It says the teacher struggled with granulomatosis and polyangiitis or something along those lines. It says it's an uncommon autoimmune disorder causing inflammation of blood vessels in the nose, sinuses, throat, lungs, and kidneys. Formerly called Wegner's granulomatosis, if I'm saying that right, this condition caused decreased blood flow to various organs. With her longtime diagnosis, the pandemic became a very scary time. Now again, I don't know if the shots had anything to do with it or not, but if they're a school teacher, chances are they're jabbed. And we know what the jabs are doing regarding blood clotting. And we also know that endless doctors aren't making those connections. They're giving this and openly giving this to individuals who have quote unquote autoimmune conditions. They are not putting two and two together. 
So is it possible? Yeah, it's beyond possible. Here's another example. This comes from the phaser. Give this a listen. Here is an article from the covidblog.com. Megan Wolf, 53-year-old beloved nursery school teacher who had gotten three doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. She was a teacher in Manitoba, Canada. Dies of a sudden intense illness on Christmas Day and mainstream media blames it on COVID-19. Now, we have talked about this before. Professor Bhakti notes that COVID-19 is not the virus. COVID-19 is simply the set of symptoms. And the famous Salk Institute in San Diego has determined that the spike protein alone causes all the problems of COVID-19. No virus is necessary. Well, the vaccines cause the body to make the toxic spike protein, so it's not surprising that people who get the vaccine get symptoms of COVID-19. So they note that the Manitoba government required that all teachers get the vaccine. The mandate took effect on October 18th. They say it's unclear when she got her injections, but the Winnipeg Free Press reported that she had received three doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. They say it's most likely that she received her booster, her third dose, just days before Christmas. She experienced flu-like symptoms on December 20th. She was unable to work for the last few days of school before Christmas due to the severity of her illness. She checked into the hospital the next day. Doctors diagnosed her with COVID-19. She went into cardiac arrest on December 23rd, and then she died on December 25th. This has to be happening, again, not just in Canada, but this has to be happening everywhere throughout the United States in endless school districts. And they do not want anybody to figure out that it's the jabs that are doing it. They don't want anybody to know that. And they will do whatever they have to do to cover this kind of information up. Because the last thing, again, that any school official wants is mass hysteria among their own employees because they're all just walking around as ticking time bombs. Because, again, we know that they're, the vast majority of them are double jabbed, if not triple jabbed. Now, again, this isn't going to go well for them. But the, the media manipulation is, is right now just next level. I want to play this other audio. This stemmed, again, from the last episode where I brought up the, uh, the young female from Florida who developed blood clots in her legs and then had to have both of her legs amputated. What, of course, that media report initially didn't tell you is what you're going to hear right here in this audio clip. She not just had perhaps an underlying issue from birth, which, again, we don't know that that's true or not. But it was evident that she had myocarditis as a result of the jabs. She had multiple heart attacks. She died multiple times. And then ultimately, the blood clots were found and XYZ. So the, the media, again, is, is chopping up the truth here and then serving it out to the public in an easy-to-digest form when, in fact, it's 100% false. So just give this a listen, because again, this breaks down the entire process of what she actually experienced. Here's an article from the covidworld.com. 20-year-old model from Tampa, Florida, Claire Bridges, who had gotten two doses of the COVID-19 vaccine, develops myocarditis, suffers a heart attack, and has to have both of her legs amputated. And there have been numerous stories about people having to have their legs amputated after getting the vaccine. She was admitted to the hospital on January 16th with severe leg pain and was diagnosed with myocarditis and several other things. A few hours later, her heart stopped. 
She was put on life support. The doctor called her father and said they had to do CPR because her heart had stopped. Over the next hour and a half, her heart stopped two more times. The next morning, she was placed on additional life support. A few hours later, she was placed on continuous dialysis because her kidneys were failing. Pressure was building up in her legs, not allowing blood to flow. They ultimately decided that the damage to her legs was too severe and irreversible. And so both of her legs were amputated on Friday. And it notes on a GoFundMe page, yes, she was vaccinated. Again, funny how the local news outlet didn't bother to mention any of those specifics. Kind of matters. You know, it's commonly referred to as clues when a crime is taking place because of, you know, a biological weapon being used. You would think that you would want to gather as many clues as humanly possible, connect all the necessary dots, and then make a logical conclusion. But remember, in the initial news article, it was, oh, she's going to be an advocate for adversity, and now she gets to talk about paraplegics and blah, blah, blah. I wonder if the, if the patient themselves, again, I, you know, I don't mean to sound um, heartless here. That, that's, not, that's not the point, and that's certainly not the case. But I wonder again, and I find it very, very interesting how some patients of these horrific incidents as a result of the jabs are connecting the dots and some are not. That some can clearly say this was a massive mistake, this is exactly what that was, and yet some will potentially say to themselves, well, it, yeah, I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. I've brought this up in the past, like um, Jimmy Houston, the, the famous fisherman and outdoorsman. You know, his, he, he and his wife both got the jabs, and, and sure enough, in less than a month, his, his wife had a massive stroke and has had seizures since. And again, at the time, he blamed it on her not taking her blood pressure medicine, that that was her fault, and, and sort of he, he just immediately chalked it up to that. And then, again, he blew off the fact that, it, that there's no way it could have been the shots, because again, everybody in his cone of silence or everybody in his echo chamber was telling him that there's no way that it was the shots. It, it can't get clearer. It can't get any clearer. Now, just a couple of days ago, it was mentioned, and this was predictable, we saw this coming, and this comes from the Daily Mail, but it's titled, First COVID Vaccine for Children Aged Just Six Months Could Be Available As Soon As The End Of February And Will Make America The Only Known Country In The World To Offer Shots To Babies. What they've also done is they have named the Moderna jab SpikeVax and they've now given it full FDA approval. This is bad news. This is absolutely bad news for anybody who's still believing any of this. Uh, the bullet points here at the top say U.S. regulators are urging Pfizer to apply for emergency authorization. It says this is for two-dose COVID-19 vaccine course for kids six months to five years old. Regulators are also awaiting data on a three-dose course that they hope will be more effective for children after concerns two-dose course is not sufficient. I'm going to stop it right there. It's not killing people quick enough for them. That's what that means. The two doses aren't killing off people as fast as they would like. So now they, they are deeming the two-dose as being ineffective. So they need a three-dose regimen. 
Now again, I've been over this in the past, and this has been written about at length. There are numerous shots, in particular sterilization shots for horses, where they're given over the course of time to sterilize the horse. The same thing is happening here. Again, we know that this is a sterilization program, but it's also a massive kill program because it's a biological weapon. So only the enemy would say, well, two shots aren't working, so we need three, and potentially four down the line. And oh, by the way, we've got to get it to the point where pregnant mothers are taking this while their child is growing inside of them. Which, by the way, Moderna even openly states in their paperwork that there's no evidence that pregnant mothers should take this because there's no known adverse reactions or positive benefits of taking it. Again, they're admitting it. They're admitting that they don't know what this will do. Oh, by the way, everybody should take this. It finally says the company's application was expected to be submitted as soon as Tuesday, and if approved, the U.S. would become the only country in the world to begin vaccinating young children as young as six months old. Again, part of Moderna's paperwork here says the following uh, under point eight point one pregnancy. Pregnancy. Pregnancy Exposure Registry. There is a pregnancy exposure registry that monitors pregnancy outcomes in women exposed to spike vax during pregnancy. Women who are vaccinated with spike, spike vax during pregnancy are encouraged to enroll in the registry by calling 1-866-MODERNA. And then it says risk summary. All pregnancies have a risk of birth defect, loss, or other adverse outcomes. In the United States, general population the estimated background risk of major birth defects and miscarriage is clinically recognized pregnancies is 2% to 4% and 15% to 20% respectively. Uh, available data on spike facts administered to pregnant women are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. A developmental toxicity study was performed in female rats administered the equivalent of a single human dose of spike vax twice prior to mating and twice during gestation. The study revealed no evidence of harm to the fetus due to the vaccine. See animal data, unquote. Again, it's basically an admission, again, that they don't know what this will do. Yes, we didn't see any problem in rats, so they're telling you. But these people are criminals. They are eugenicists, and they cannot be trusted. Now, again, more along this same wavelength, and this is an anonymous post, but it's very, very interesting, I think, and certainly worth reading. Um, it comes from GLP and godlikeproductions.com, if I'm not mistaken. And it's titled, The Absolute Worst Widowmaker I Have Ever Seen. It says the following, quote, I do EKGs for a living. And I guess this was back possibly in 07 or such, so I did not have the chance to catch this. But it's good enough for the department to post it on the wall. Pretty sure the person is not breathing now, if they even got a stint to begin with. But I can tell you, after this weekend, uh, I've been doing tests for effed up rhythms that 20 to 40 year olds should not have until they are 70 plus years old. And I have done over 25,000 EKGs, so I know what the F I'm talking about uh, when, I, when it comes to the heart. Saturday, I had three in their mid-40s in cardiac observation and either AFib or LVH, left ventricle hypertrophy. 
Sunday, I had two mid-20s in the ICU, one with SVT and the other with anthro, lateral, and septal infarct, which is the most effing uncommon rhythm ever, even in a 60-year-plus patient. They are all vaccinated. Anywho, here's the strip if anyone in HC wants to be amazed if this person lived or not, and then they have some documentation there. It says, the reason I'm even posting this is because I'm seeing more than 20 to 50-year-old patients with stuff like this. Not this bad. And no healthy person exhibits these types of rhythms at all unless they are really old or extremely sick. Look up a picture of a normal sinus on any search engine and you will see the drastic difference. All five had Pfizer 2 plus doses, by the way. This shit is straight up poison. When your QTC measure is 0.45 to 0.50 plus, that is a drug overdose, and every single one of them had that, unquote. Now, as we know, this is, of course, occurring within the military as well, and this comes from the conservative treehouse, and I wanted to read this and then play this approximately seven-minute audio clip, which breaks most of this down. It's titled, Military Database Shows Alarming Increase in Adverse Medical Conditions After Forced COVID Vaccination. It says, during testimony last week, Attorney Thomas Rents, on behalf of whistleblowers inside the military medical system who have access to vaccination data that is withheld from the general public, the data on the adverse medical conditions that surface after vaccination within the military is contained on a system called the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database or DMED. The documents that were released to Thomas Rents are now being reviewed. The result informa- resulting information is very disturbing. So I'm going to read again. Well, let me just read through these percentages very quick, and then I'll play the audio. Since the research took, five, uh, took five-year averages of medical conditions and then compared the track record to the results after the mandatory military vaccination program was initiated, the results are alarming. Heart attacks, an increase of 269%. Pericarditis, an increase of 175%. Myocarditis, an increase of 285%. Pulmonary embolisms, an increase of 467%. Cerebral infarction, an increase of 393%. Bell's palsy, an increase of 319%. Uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, an increase of 250%. Immunodeficiencies, an increase of 275%. Menstrual irregularity, an increase of 476%. Multiple sclerosis, an increase of 487%. Miscarriage, an increase of 306%. Get ready for these three. HIV, an increase of 590%. Chest pain, an increase of 1,529%, and labored breathing, an increase of 905%. So here's the audio that breaks a lot of this down. Give this a listen. On January 25th, 2022, Thomas Renz, the attorney for doctors Peter Chambers, Teresa Long, and Samuel Sigaloff, testified before Congress regarding data leak directly from the Defense Health Agency's Defense Medical Epidemiology Database, otherwise known as DMED. Within DMED exists the Defense Medical Surveillance Systems, DMSS, 
which contains up-to-date and historic data on diseases, medical events, and data on DOD personnel. The database is similar to VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, but it's distinct in that it only applies to DOD personnel, and only medical providers can input information into the system. Upon inspection, we can see that information has been gathered from a five-year average of dozens of diseases and medical disorders. Myocardial infarction, or a heart attack, rose 269% in a 10-month period from January to November of 2021, from 612 cases to 1,650. Pericarditis rose 175% from 589 cases to 1,029. Myocarditis rose 285% from 127 cases to 363. Pulmonary embolisms rose 467% from 746 cases to 3,489. Cerebral infarction. Bell's palsy, immunodeficiencies, ITP, menstrual irregularity, MS, neoplasms, non-traumatic subarachnoid hemorrhage, spontaneous abortion or miscarriage, all rose at least 250% or higher, some cases 350%. Disseminated intravascular coagulation a rare and serious condition that disrupts your blood flow due to a blood clotting disorder that can turn into uncontrollable bleeding, rose 1,175% from 7 to 87 documented incidents. HIV, which often leads to AIDS, rose 590% from 454 cases to 2,681. Chest pain which averaged 4,892 reported incidents from 2016 to 2020, rose 1,529% to 74,813 individuals. Dyspnea, which is difficult or labored breathing, rose 905% from 4,968 to 44,990. You may ask why. Why would the Department of Defense knowingly continue to harm the service members who comprise the military? While we can't answer that question for certain, we can offer a great deal of information which we've used to form our own opinion. Documents we released in October of 2021 revealed a 158-page RMP titled Comirnaty COVID-19 mRNA Vaccine Risk Management Plan, which laid out plans to study DOD data in relation to service members' response to COVID-19 vaccines. A document within the study, titled Pharmacovigilance Plan, highlights C459-1011, a post-authorization study for personnel within the DOD and their family members and how myocarditis and pericarditis affect those who have taken Pfizer-BioNTech EUA vaccine. The sponsor, in this case the DOD, has agreed to provide regular studies of the EUA vaccine on service members in periodic safety update reports. Because Pfizer has not produced their FDA-approved Comirnaty, 
And we know based on our own research and reporting, along with numerous other publications, that EUA vaccines are the only vaccines available to service members. We can surmise that American military forces have been used as a giant study group for over a year now. We also know that Pfizer's Comirnaty, which once again hasn't even been produced, was given BLA licensing on August 23rd of 2021 from the FDA, then had that same BLA license withdrawn on the same day. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin announced a mandatory vaccine for service members on August 24th based on the licensing, even though the license had been withdrawn before his announcement. Due to the political influence applied to the vaccine and the amount of money that was made off of its distribution, it's hard to imagine an agreement wasn't made behind closed doors to make the vaccine appear as if it had been approved by the FDA. The Secretary of Defense himself owns over 29,000 shares of Tenet Health, a company that made a vast amount of money from Pfizer's vaccine and lined the SecDef's pockets along the way. Because of the unlawful manner in which the service branches applied the Secretary of Defense's order, hundreds of service members have been discharged under the false pretense of disobeying an unlawful order, and thousands more have been barred from reenlisting or continuing to serve after their contracts expire. What we're witnessing is nothing less than an outright assault on the armed forces who protect America's Constitution and subsequently her freedoms. Sources have told us that DOD tried very hard to conceal this information and prevent it from getting out. The release of this information implicates numerous officials at the highest levels of the Pentagon in numerous crimes. The expulsion of those service members who refused the vaccine, along with the thousands who were injured or killed because of it, will have disastrous effects on the United States national security in the immediate and long-term future. Now, I mentioned this again at the beginning, and I mentioned it in the Substack article also, and I fully understand that this could be a very difficult thing for local sheriffs and police officers to investigate. Because again, if they're jabbed, you're talking about a level of cognitive dissonance that they would have to completely remove in order to look at this entire thing objectively, which they probably cannot and will not do. How many sheriff's offices or sheriff's departments do you know are going to walk into a hospital? and tell everybody to stop and then confiscate all of the the jab juice and then again take it away investigate and then tell them that they can't give these shots anymore it's not likely to happen however that doesn't mean that we can't stop them or at least we can't encourage them to stop them we can we can certainly address sheriffs specifically and um and local, well, local law enforcement, or we, we, I mean, we can at least try, is basically what I'm trying to say here. So I've compiled a number of documents that highlight a great deal of the adverse reactions and point to countless other resources and countless other doctors. And again, a lot of these documents are being used in the UK right now and are being presented to their police departments. And again, I've mentioned that in previous episodes, but I'm going to continuously add to that list and do my best to update it in the Documents tab on my website. What I plan on doing is very simple. I'm going to take a printout of these documents, which are hundreds of pages, and I'm going to do my best to set a meeting with our county sheriff. Now, our county sheriff is rather well-known. He's been on Fox News a number of times. 
not that that necessarily matters, but it would be interesting to see if he would be willing to meet or someone in his group would be willing to meet on this specific issue. Because putting them on notice matters, and they have to be put on notice. We're talking about a genocide here of countless individuals. It's an immediate kill and it's a slow kill, but we know that the jabs are poison. And they need to know that. They need to know that there is, you know, again, you don't need motive to convict someone or to charge someone with a crime. Well, why? Why are they doing that? They need to be reminded that motive is irrelevant. If they can't wrap their mind around depopulation as being a motive, and the motive, because it is the motive, then all we have to do, I think, is, is expose them to as many written facts as we possibly can. That this is, in fact, a poison. And no, it, that's not a decision for a doctor to make because they are under the exact same spell. I'm not saying this is going to be easy. It's not. But I fully plan on attempting to make a meeting with our local sheriff, who happens to be Sheriff Jones, Richard Jones, if anybody's familiar with him, mustache, cowboy hat. Um, and, and we'll see what ends up happening. But again, I, I plan on printing off the documents that I have and bringing them to him and saying, look, you're on notice here. If you don't investigate this and start confiscating this jab juice in all of the places in this county that are disseminating this, you're going to have death within your own department. That's going to be the likes of which you have not seen ever. Now let's talk again about supply chain from a human standpoint. You have endless individuals leaving the military, and you have endless individuals who are in the military still who have received these jabs. Filter that downward all the way to sheriff's departments, U.S. marshals, local police departments. You're going to have massive shortages and countless individuals that are not qualified to take these jobs because, again, even in the academies where they're learning how to do said job, they're getting jabbed. So how is that going to work? What's the long-term plan on that? Who ultimately ends up taking those positions? I mean, in the town where I live, there's allegedly 29,000 people. And according to the mayor's office, who I don't believe, but I, I kind of believe it to some extent because there's a lot of brainwashed people in the town where I live, they're claiming that only 4,000 of us are unjabbed. And they're claiming that there's a massive COVID problem and they can't figure out why. So 25,000 people in a town of 29,000 have been at least once jabbed or twice jabbed. And there's lots of sick people and they're wondering why. They think it's the 4,000 who are not jabbed. I mean, when this is all said and done, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be the mayor, the, uh, the chief of police, the, the president of the university, and the superintendent of schools. I'm going to be the one holding all of these positions, and I can't wait. I'm being funny, of course, but this is actually going to be something that's going to be very interesting to watch. And I think it's very sad, but it's, it's certainly going to occur. And again, communicating with the local police department and the sheriff's office is something that I plan on doing. And I plan on bringing full-blown copies of this documentation to them and say, look, I've been to the sheriff's department, to the local police, and then vice versa, and explaining to them, look, you're all in this now. You're all in this together, whether you like it or not. 
and you have an oath of office that you have to follow. And if you don't investigate this, then I'm sorry, uh, you're, you're, you're not doing your job. You're not upholding your oath of office, and that's a massive problem. But I'll keep you updated as to how that goes, and I don't expect it to go very well. But I certainly will give it a go and give it a try. There was even a person, um, I put out a post on Gab about it over this past weekend. Someone got back to me and said, I already tried that with our local sheriff, and they looked right at him and said, yeah, we're not looking into that right now. And that was the answer that they got. I mean, we're talking about, again, a level of hypnosis here that is reaching all levels of law enforcement and lawyers and judges and everybody who's actually supposed to be looking into this and holding these individuals accountable and these organizations accountable. And that's how thick this hypnosis goes. Because again, the likelihood of getting them all to do their job regarding this issue that they all share, where they've probably all been jabbed, is unlikely. It's highly unlikely. That's why the military is going to be the only way here. But if they're decimated, then again, what are you left with? Uh, there's two final articles here that I want to go through. And again, this has a lot to do with the side effects of what's going on. This first is a medical issue. And then the second has to do with lockdowns. Because unfortunately, it's taken Johns Hopkins an entire year to examine how lockdowns are ineffective and don't do any good whatsoever. I could have told you that from the word go and did tell people that from the word go, but you know, no one listens to me, so who cares? Um, this first article, however, comes from Schizophrenia Research, and that's the name of the journal. And this is a recent one from, let's see, their most recent issue in 2022. First episode psychosis following receipt of first dose of COVID-19 vaccine, a case report. I'm going to read the introduction and then the case description, um, and then perhaps bits and parts of the discussion here. Again, it's only two pages long, but we'll see what happens. All right, here we go. Introduction, quote, COVID-19 still continues to have detrimental effects on mental health of an individual. The mental health impact include the fear of getting infected, fear of spread of infection, social isolation, financial loss, and loss of near and dear ones. These issues have further led to new onset or worsening of anxiety, depression, grief, obsessive-compulsive disorder, psychosis, etc. Amidst all this, COVID vaccine has been introduced across the globe, and this has brought relief to a great extent with marked reduction in the infection rates across the globe. However, the acceptability of the vaccine is not universal, and many myths have been linked with the vaccine. See, again, as researchers, this is a massive problem. You, you shouldn't throw that in when you're doing a, a case study here or a case report on an individual by saying, by immediately jumping to the word myths. These individuals are giving away their bias already in the very first paragraph. Second paragraph says, quote, over the period of the last few weeks, some of the serious side effects with the, vac with the various COVID-19 vaccine have been documented in the form of Guillain-Barre syndrome. There is limited data with respect to the psychiatric side effects of the COVID-19 vaccine. Few case reports have documented new onset psychosis after the use of messenger ribonucleic acid or messenger RNA 
based on COVID vaccine. Considering the limited data in this report, we present a case of new onset psychosis following the use of COVID Shield vaccine, local version of AstraZeneca's Vaxavaria adrenovirus vector vaccine. So here's the deal. Immediately what they're saying is, because this study was begun back in probably, oh, I'd say nine months to a year ago is when this first began. So they have to say, look, there's not a lot of data out there. Well, where's the data coming from? They're, they're, they're referencing nothing but scientific research studies that have examined this. But there were none, and there aren't many. Because again, most of this is quote-unquote, and I hate the phrase, but it's quote-unquote anecdotal. What's interesting about this is that the video evidence is astonishing. And unfortunately, again, we're bumping up against the cognitive dissonance of medical doctors who are not going to, by any stretch of the imagination, connect the dots, by and large, between the jabs and the individuals who are experiencing these psychological disorders. Again, such as spongiform encephalopathy and mad cow disease as a result of receiving these shots. They're, they're not going to make those connections because they don't want to believe that they were responsible for administering the very thing that's causing this. Again, rabies shots are given out in, in very similar doses, and we know what the side effects of rabies are, and again, it's psychosis. Uh, here's the case description. Quote, an 18-year-old female student without any past psychiatric, including the substance use disorders or medical history, with no family history of mental illness, was brought to the emergency by family members for irrelevant talk and bizarre behavior. There was no past history of physical illness or substance use. Exploration of history revealed that the patient was apparently maintaining well before vaccination and there was no apparent psychosocial stressor prior to vaccination, nor did the patient have any vaccine hesitancy. She received her first dose of the vaccine, and within two to three hours, she developed high-grade fever with chills and multiple episodes of loose stools. The symptoms did not improve with antipyretics, if I'm saying that right. These symptoms were followed by dizziness and one episode of fall. However, she did sustain an injury due to the fall. She was taken to a local hospital and managed conservatively with intravenous fluids. As per family members, fevers subsided the next day, but patient reported starting to remain anxious. She was still able to sleep at night. She was not able to sleep at night, rather. Frequently woke up, appeared fearful, and would appear to be staring in between. She would keep on pacing around and would appear distressed. Over the next three to four days, she started to remain irritable, talk irrelevantly, try to run away from home, voice delusions of persecution and reference, and reported visual hallucinations of seeing gods and demons. As it became difficult to control her at home, she was brought to emergency for further management. There was no history of seizures, altered level of consciousness, use of any other medications, depressive features, and neurological defects. I'm going to skip down a little bit here, but again, it basically says that the evaluation that they examined 
um, did not reveal any abnormality, that her EKG was fine, MRI seemed fine, deep white matter in the bilateral front parental lobes in view of the absence of inattention and lack of uh, defects of awareness and absence of altered level of consciousness, the diagnosis of delirium was ruled out. Um, after excluding other causes and in view of the temporal correlation with the use of COVID shield vaccine, a diagnosis of vaccine-associated psychosis was considered. It continues here down in the discussion, and it says, quote, There is limited data on association of psychosis with the use of vaccines. There are a few case reports of development of psychosis after administration of vaccines for rabies, yellow fever, smallpox, typhus, and influenza. With respect to COVID-19 vaccine, few published case report uh, has documented the association of psychosis with the use of vaccine and some of the reports indicate that psychosis could be an outcome of autoimmune encephalitis. Very few reports are available showing COVID-19 vaccine-induced psychosis. Studies have shown that SARS-CoV-2 is known to trigger a powerful immune response, which includes the release of large amounts of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Uh, it is hypothesized that psychosis may be related to rapid increase in the pro-inflammatory response and activated autoimmune mechanism. The MRI findings of the tiny T2 flare hyperintensities in deep white matter in bilateral frontal lobes in the index case could be indicators of the endothelial and autoimmune activation as seen in autoimmune encephalitis. It's been hypothesized that COVID-19 may increase the risk of psychosis by triggering the cytokine storm. Of course, the jabs themselves do that, which we know, and that, of course, has been discussed and written about at length as well. And then the authors of this paper ultimately warn doctors and say they need to be sensitized about this for early recognition and benefits of the patient. Again, the spiked proteins within the shot themselves and those that are created throughout the body as a result of being introduced to the messenger RNA and having that snap your RNA. What it's doing, again, is it's breaking the blood-brain barrier, so it shouldn't shock anybody that this is the case. Again, we're talking about mad cow disease as well, if not a whole host of mental and emotional disorders that could be irreversible. This has to be taken into consideration, and then again, these are being striked up in some cases to full-blown vaccidents, in particular if these individuals are in a position of influence or power where they're having to make decisions around countless individuals. So I, I don't see this as getting any better over the course of time. Here's the last study I'm going to bring up. And again, this comes from January of 2022, uh, Studies in Applied Economics. It's titled, A Literature Review of Meta-Analysis of the Effects of Lockdowns on COVID-19 Mortality. And again, this comes from Johns Hopkins University. It shouldn't shock anybody. I'm just going to read the abstract. It says, quote, the systematic review of meta-analysis are designed to determine whether there is empirical evidence to support the belief that lockdowns reduce COVID-19 mortality. Lockdowns are defined as the imposition of at least one compulsory non-pharmaceutical intervention, or NPI. NPIs are any government mandate that directly restrict people's possibilities 
such as policies that limit internal movement, close, close schools and businesses, and ban international travel. This study employed a systematic search of screening procedure in which 18,590 studies are identified that could potentially address the belief posed. After three levels of screening, 34 studies ultimately qualified. Of those 34 eligible studies, 24 qualified for inclusion in the meta-analysis. They were separated into three groups, lockdown, stringency, index studies, shelter-in-place order, or SPIO studies, and specific NPI studies. An analysis of each of these three groups support the conclusion that lockdowns have little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality. More specifically, stringency index studies find that lockdowns in Europe and the United States only reduce COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% on average. SPIOs were also ineffective, only reducing COVID-19 mortality by 2.9% on average. Specific NPI studies also find no broad-based evidence of noticeable effects on COVID-19 mortality. It then says, while this meta-analysis concludes that lockdowns have little to no public health effects, they have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have been adopted. In consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument, unquote. And to that, my conclusion in response to that study would be no shit, Sherlock. It didn't require any analysis of any data whatsoever to make that determination. It's absolutely insane that it took a year for Johns Hopkins University to come to that conclusion. But then again, we know that they're wrapped up in this criminality as well. And it took lots of authors to figure this out too across the world, which again is a shame because all of these people are morons. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to all of that. I know it's all jab-related, but that's the latest. That's the latest jab information from the front line here. So uh, take that to whoever you want. Share this episode with with, uh, whoever you you desire, and uh, I'll catch you on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.